You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wisconsin Sports Heroics Podcast on the Packernet Podcast Network. My name is Sam Holman, and we are here talking Packers uh, as we can dive into the off season. Um, might be a little bit of a shorter episode today. I didn't have a whole lot of a whole lot that I wanted to cover. There hasn't been much news as regards uh, free agency decisions. Aaron Rodgers is still his status is still up in the air as of this recording. So I, I just want to take another look at um, kind of what what I saw from Joe Barry uh, towards the end of the year and, you know, kind of looking forward to what sounds like will be, unless things change, sounds like it'll, it'll be his third year back in Green Bay. And I know that that thought is going to be pretty discouraging and frustrating to a lot of people. And I mean, I, I understand it. Uh, I'm not a Joe Barry fan by any means. Uh, Earlier on in the season, you know, I was really critical of him and the way he kind of put stuff together in terms of run defense and just the whole structure of the defense. Um, I believe I, I had a podcast on on that subject to probably month and a half ago, two months ago, um, around around the Lions game or the first Lions game. But I, I would say that after watching what he was able to do the last month or so of the season. I wouldn't say I'm optimistic, but I'm encouraged. And I've kind of said that on some of the defensive notes uh, episodes that I've I've done for the last, or I did for the last couple games. Um, but defensive football is about getting answers, generating answers for what offenses are trying to do. And I felt like towards the end of the year, they got better at generating those answers. Now, I I mean, some of that stuff I think they should have been able to do early on in the year. Uh, just, but, but what they did was they got into front movement. They got into using different defensive line techniques to stymie the run game. They did, they used some stunts, some twists against the run. Uh, and then on the, on the back end, they uh, really leaned into like two high structure defenses, a lot of cover two, a lot of cover six and cover eight, which is cover eight is just cover six, but the half field coverage side is to the passing strength. Um, and with the with the cover eight, cover six, all that stuff, you know, that was something I had hoped they would lean into at the beginning of the year, and they didn't really do that. Um, I, I think that what happened, I, I was thinking back about you know what what I saw from them week to week, and I'll, I'll have to go back and rewatch, especially the early part of the season, to see if this kind of if if the film bears this out completely, but. That first game, they really actually did a lot of the stuff that they were doing towards the end of the year, except in that first game, it wasn't really successful. They were using a lot of that cover eight stuff, a lot of too high variations. Uh, and they were even using, you know, different fronts. You know, they were mixing in some 4-3 stuff, some 6-1 fronts, uh, using some stunts, some run stunts to, to stop the run game. Um, but it just didn't work. And so what I'm kind of hypothesizing, just as I think about that, I think that Barry realized, hey, this isn't working. It's not going to work. We had a bunch of miscommunications. Justin Jefferson ate us alive. And so we need to simplify. 
or, or we need to change what we're doing on the back end. And so he went to a lot more single high stuff. And that I could be totally wrong on that. It may have just been that they played a lot of two high because that was the game plan. And that's how they felt that they would best be able to handle Justin Jefferson. And they didn't want to live in that. They wanted to live in what they eventually got into over the next half of the season, which was you know a lot more a lot more single high coverages. But they would you know show two high pre snap, then rotate down. Um, and so and then you know that that obviously was pretty lackluster. Uh, the the way they did that, there were still miscommunications. They still weren't executing well enough. And then Rashawn Gary gets hurt, and they have to up their blitz amount, you know, up their their different pressure looks to try to replace his loss, to try to get pressure in his absence, um, which is the same. I don't know why I repeated the same thing twice, but anyway, you get my point. And then I think at the bye is when they really kind of had to take a reset, because I think up to that point, they were just trying to put out fires. And it wasn't super successful. You know, they were mediocre at best. And, and then over the bye, I think they kind of reassessed. And he said, they said, you know, we, I, I th- it seems like getting back into this too high stuff, if we can execute, it's probably going to be better for us. And they did. And it worked, right? They, they were able to execute this time around. And again, there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm assuming in there. I think that it's possible that those two high coverages that they, you know, used a fair amount last year is kind of some of the more basic stuff in their playbook. And they were just, you know, the the more complex versions of single high that they were using, you know, that was part of the reason that they had to deal with miscommunication and mistakes on the back end. Um, but they turned that too high. Uh, whether it was just they had more reps, they were able to, you know, get communication lines cleared up, whatever, they were able to execute that a lot better and they were able to use the the increased answers that, that two high coverage provided to stop off stop the offenses, you know, Rams, Dolphins, uh Vikings, and you know, to a fair extent the Lions too. I mean the Lions only put put up twenty points and three of those were because of a failed fourth down attempt. Uh that the offense where the offense gave the Lions back the ball essentially in, in field goal range already. So I think that that defensive, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the types of offenses and the quality of offense played a part, but I think that that defensive turnaround was real. And I think that a big part of that was, you know, getting more answers in two high coverages because in two high, two high coverages, you've got a lot more ways to create layers. I've kind of talked about this before, a lot more ways to create layers to, um, defend different pass concepts that the offenses are trying to run uh, in single high it puts a lot of pressure especially on your underneath defenders you know linebackers slot players that whichever safeties roll down into the box because they have to create those layers right they have to play they have to gain a lot of depth to, to play top down on that kind of stuff and then that doesn't even get into the different ways in two on coverages where you can double uh wide receivers like justin jefferson where you can you know play with different levels of physicality. You know, we saw a little bit of that where they were having Quay in the Dolphins game uh, collision wide receivers uh, as they released to mess up the timing in the passing game. Um, so they, they messed around with what they were doing in two high coverages. And then I think the other, the other big adjustment that they made was they just went kind of crazy with what they were doing up front. And before I get into that, just going to take a quick break uh, for some messages from our sponsors. I'll be right back. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, we are back talking about kind of the the defenses of adjustments, defensive adjustments made during the year, and what what the defense could look like going forward. So I already covered the the too high adjustment, right? That that kind of added flexibility in, in handling how offenses were attacking the defense, and then doing stuff up, stuff up front. They really went hog wild on that. They were using different, you know, not only different alignments, but different defensive line techniques. You know, some were more aggressive, some were more based on reactive, based on what offensive lines were doing. They were mixing in different stunts and different post snap line movements. Um, they were doing different stuff. I, I mean, for example, uh, in the Lions game, um, they slanted and essentially brought down Adrian Amos as an edge player. They essentially formed a, a bare front post snap. Slanted their four-man front, formed you know a bear front or three-four uh, five-man front. That's what I'm trying to say. Formed a five-man front with Adrian Amos as one of the edge players, and they were doing stuff like that. You know, creative stuff that makes it harder on offensive, hard, uh, harder on blocking schemes to to be successful in the run game. And I think that's a really interesting way to get answers. Um, honestly, I'm kind of interested and excited to see what Joe Barry does in year three. If they, I mean, based on the history, they could completely abandon all this. Cause that's kind of what they did last year. They had a lot of success in like their cover eight stuff. And then they just, you know, went away from that after uh, the first game of this year, essentially until the, until after the bye. Um, but if they do go back to that, I'm going to be really interested to see how it works out. I was I was kind of going back, uh, talking on Twitter with a uh, defensive line coach, and he was, you know, he had posed the question why the fronts in the NFL were were pretty bland, right? There's not a whole lot of creativity that goes on, not a lot of line movement, not a lot of just, just different stuff mixed in, and oh, that kind of got me thinking. You know, it is really interesting how Joe Barry is approaching this in terms of you know how he's essentially weaponizing the the front seven to um to win on defense to find answers on defense it's a little bit of a unique approach i think um and so that that's that's something i'm going to be interested to see Uh, i don't think like i said i'm not confident in joe barry by any means but i am intrigued by what he's shown um he's shown that he can adjust he's shown that he can find answers in kind of unconventional ways and honestly i i like that like that's something that i think it's good for a defensive coordinator to have and you know 
with Quay moving into year two, with Devontae Wyatt being able to play more, you know, potentially some additions, some more additions in the draft in the free agency. I know that, you know, we've added so many players to that defense. It feels like they should, you know, they should just be able to be dominant at this point. And I don't disagree, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. I'm interested to see what, what the Joe Barry defense in year three kind of looks like. Uh, another thing, I, I think I might have mentioned this on a podcast uh, possibly last week, but one thing I've heard is that it, it sometimes takes coaches until year three to fully implement their system. And I wonder if, you know, maybe the loss of Jair in, his, in Barry's first year, the loss of Rashawn in his second year, that kind of, you know, uh, dealt havoc to some of the plans that Barry originally had. And so, yeah, uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think that a couple things to watch. Um, I, I think they do probably want to add another defensive lineman, right? With with Jaron Reed, that he got kind of played a critical role down the stretch where they were using him as uh, as a big three uh, three technique or even as an edge player uh, in the Lions game. They used what's essentially what some people would consider a mint front, where it's uh, three defensive linemen and then a weak side outside linebacker. And Jaron Reed on those snaps, he was often the the strong side defensive lineman. He was usually playing a five technique or a six technique where he's kind of head up on, on the tight end or on the outside shoulder of the tackle. And I think that's an important role for what they want to do moving forward. So I would expect if Jaron Reed isn't brought back, I think they'll probably go after someone with kind of a similar skill set. I mean, Devontae Wyatt, hopefully taking a, another step in year two, will provide a lot of that role. I think they kind of have similar styles of play. Both are the the faster, more penetrating three technique style players, and so I think that he'll play a big role in that. Um, they, I think they will try to add someone though on the defensive line, either at that three technique position, or if they want to really move Devonte White and Kenny Clark into more of that role, they could add another nose tackle, so they essentially can play Kenny Clark at three technique, five technique, full time, right? Just rotate in TJ Slayton, rotate in another nose tackle or two, and yeah, just just kind of move Kenny outside where he can wreak a little more havoc. Um, other than that, I mean, obviously the safety room is a you know where Savage is dubious, I would say, coming into this this fifth year. And then um, Adrian Amos is a free agent. One thing, uh, one player I'm going to be looking at, uh, Julian Love of the New York Giants. I've been watching a little bit of tape on him. He's he's a fun player. Um, probably his skill set wouldn't be the best fit with the Packers. He brings some stuff as a blitzer that probably wouldn't be maximized in Barry's system. Uh, but then again, maybe they want to blitz more neck going into next year and, and use some more aggressive, uh, find a more aggressive use for some of their their safeties and linebackers. Um, but he he's he reminds me a little bit of Adrian Amos. He's a willing tackler. He's willing to stick his nose in in the run game. He doesn't always take perfect angles, but he plays under control. He gets the job done. He rarely misses a tackle. Um, and you know he's got he's got some some chops and coverage. So that that's a guy I would keep an eye on. Not sure how much he would cost. Um, financial stuff. I mean, I don't really dig into that a whole lot. I tend to stick to schematic strategy and that kind of, that sort of thing. But that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Um, well, with that said, that's kind of all I got uh, for today. I, like I said, it's a shorter episode. Not a whole lot of news to talk over. Not a, obviously not a game we can discuss, unfortunately. 
But I want to thank you guys for uh, tuning in to another episode of the Wisconsin Sports Heroics Podcast. And I will talk to you again soon.